We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Liar. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle, he dives, and he's in! Touchdown, 49ers! Kittle is gonna go! Touchdown! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Striking Freaking Gold, your 49ers pod on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire. And joining me tonight, just like he always is, former NFL defensive back, owner of Rise Athletics and Croc Talk and Croc, Croc Pot. And uh, it's it's Eric Crocker. What's up, dude? <laughs> What's up, man? Uh, you know, I'm chilling, dude. I've been working on, uh, on Michael Myers masks all day, and it's been kind of therapeutic. Just been chilling. Yeah, that was, I mean, I, I wasn't working on Michael Myers, man, but working on, you know, Patreon videos, uh, got to break work done. down out. Getting stuff done. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's just been a, a, one of those days, that, you know, one of those rare days, at least for me, where like nothing came up and I had all the time I wanted to do my thing. And it was just nice. It's nice when that happens because it doesn't happen very often. But yep. somebody who doesn't have that luxury right now for reasons, you know, yet to be determined. I wouldn't say the reasons are to be determined, but the entire situation is kind of yet to be fully fleshed out is one Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Ooh. Watson. I mean, it's getting a little, little interesting, huh? It's getting dicey for Deshaun. And, and the one thing I would like to preface all of this with is saying that Hopefully I can choose my words carefully because I don't want to say anything that would assume Deshaun Watson's guilt in either way, 
you know, and I don't want to assume that the victims that have come forward are telling the truth or lie. Like I'm, I have, there's just not enough to form any opinion. I wasn't there. I don't know. The law is going to handle that, but we're just going to talk about it and kind of offer our thoughts and how the 49ers play into it and just kind of how it could evolve. But again, we can only dive so deep into it without actually knowing the entire situation and what's going on. It's, uh, it's it's really that's all it is. Jordan's just waiting for more news to come out. Obviously, none of it's pleasant, none of it's good. But if you haven't heard, uh, Deshaun Watson, who started the you know kind of the off season out with a bang, and the fact that he basically said he was never going to play for the Texans again, um, and and as that all unfolded, and the Texans have stayed firm that they're not going to trade him, but I think everybody kind of knows that they will. Um, I want to say it was maybe a couple weeks ago uh, that the first sexual assault allegation popped up against Deshaun Watson. I believe it was from a woman that worked at a, either a massage parlor or an ath- I don't know if she was, you know, an athletic, a kinesiologist type of deal, um, or if she was just in a massage parlor. Um, and that kind of, that has sl- has grown into, I believe seven different allegations. I believe it's seven different people, not seven different instances. Um, that's the way I read it, at least. And now it's kind of thrown into question. Deshaun, every, everything you've heard about this guy up until this point has been glowing. But at this point, you know, that's kind of thrown that into question. And again, I'm not casting guilt one way or the other. This is just the situation. I know there's a, some really weird things about it, like the lawyer that stepped forward um, to bring all this to light used to live next to the Texans owner. Right. Is that, yeah, did I like read that neighbor. right? Yeah. It yeah. might still be his neighbor. Right. So, right. Yeah. It might still be his neighbor. I know that it was also said that the the local police or the local law enforcement put out a tweet saying we have not been approached with any of this. Uh, So it, I mean, essentially we have allegations from a lawyer and his defendants, um, but the law hasn't been involved at all. I'm assuming that's going to happen quickly, uh, officially involved at least. And now everybody's kind of, just wondering what the hell's going on. Again, you, you, there's no way to know one way or the other. It's just kind of crazy. It's it's nuts, and it's. I, I I'll say this, regardless of like what's the truth and what's not. Like the one thing that I think is kind of happening is he is reaching out to people for massages, and like like whether it's you know things are forced or whatever the case is, like he, the way he kind of go about that whole thing that's weird. That's weird. And, and I mean, I've been a professional athlete and, you know, I get the whole like, you know, looking for a masseuse or whatever. Typically the team, like teams have massage, like people come, like when I was with the Jets, there were multiple days a week where the masseuse would come and we go into this like room and you just, you know, just lay out and you get like a full on massage and everything. And there's like 15, like the little massage tables or whatever. And you get a full on massage. When I was playing in the arena league, like we got, you know, massages multiple times a week uh, supplied by a massage guy that, that came to the facility. Like, and typically like, if you're kind of like, okay, maybe I want to go outside of the the team, you know, you might find like one place and then, okay, that one place, like you get your massage and everything and it's all, you know, good. He's, <laughs> he's <laughs> like, what is, what is like, <laughs> what it looks like is like, he's reading. I'm not saying like all, they're kind of like, hyping up the pumping up the number to like 22 females or whatever. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But, but like whatever, if, if, even if it's five, 
say it's five people. It's not even 22. And not saying that anything was forced or whatever. But the weird thing is like, like, like finding these people like through social media and then like having them come and give you massage, like that part, it, it just seems a little weird. Like it doesn't seem quite right. Like there, there's something a little odd about it now. Well, again, and that's kind of I like where your or not, experience it, comes in. Like yeah, it's I, just, I, I would have no idea that that's weird. You know, like, like that's what I'm saying. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's like me, I would have no, to me, the idea of an athlete seeking out massages, it seems perfectly normal, but then you start to add in the fact that the team kind of already takes care of that. And the dude's like doing it through social media and, and like weird stuff like that. I guess something that I wouldn't necessarily know is weird because I'm not, I haven't been behind that curtain. You're like, no, that's weird, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little weird the way, and then even then, like say if, and I've seen some of the, the messages, right? He's legit asking for a massage. So it's not even one of those things where like he's, you know, hitting on a girl or whatever on social media and you know, hey, you know, come over here, you know, hey, hey, girl, give me a massage or, you know, something like that. And, you know, one thing leads to another. That's not even the case. Like, he's legit asking for a massage. <laughs> like, like it's not even like he's, like, trying to be funny or, you know, it was like he was, he asked, like, oh, man, what was that? What was that term of the massage that people <laughs> really get? What was that term? Yeah, the glute one. But it was the name of it. Anyways, there's, like, a name of a certain massage he was asking for. And like, like he's for real. Like he's really trying to get a massage, and then it turns into something else. And it, maybe that's not fully the case with all of them. But I did see the message where you know he messaged the girl back, like, or he messaged the girl the next day. Sorry for making you feel uncomfortable. Like, let me know if you want to work again. Like, you know, what I'm saying like something. There's something wrong there. <laughs> Regardless of how you look at it, if you're a team Watson or you know pro for the girl, whatever the case is, the way he's kind of going about that whole thing. It, it is a little odd. I, I'll say that. Now, I'm not saying he's guilty of anything or, you know, whatever. I'm just saying that whole thing is kind of odd. I, I could see if it were like, you know, he's reaching out to a girl. You know, you slide in those DMs and, hey, come over and kick it. Hey, hey, by the way, bring some massage oils because, you know, I like to get massaged down or something. Like, you know, something like that. And then this girl, but this does not seem like it's the case. It seems, It looks like he's legit asking for massages. And then, <laughs> and then trying to get a happy ending. Like that's what it, that's what it looks like. So again, I don't want to get too deep because we don't have all the details. But just from the little things that have leaked and what we have kind of seen in some of these messages, he's legit asking for a massage. And that's probably the oddest part about it all. Like when there's like there's the real massage parlors you can just go to, and instead of that, it's like he's searching on Instagram, and then really trying to get. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna start talking about, it, but it is, it's a little, it's a little odd. I'll, I'll say that just the his, the whole way with how he's kind of going about it. And I saw some people talk about Robert Kraft. Like Robert Kraft went to a place where they know what the deal is. He knows what the deal is. He goes in there, gets his little rub on or whatever, and then he pays him and he walks out. <laughs> you know, like whatever Watson is doing. Like there's not that type of agreement ahead of time. That's what it looks like. Like again, but I don't want to judge too much, but. Yeah, it, it's just a little odd, the whole situation. And obviously, like, it has put a damper on his um, trade value. They, they can't trade. You can't trade for Deshaun Watson right now. Not while he's going through all this. And this is not a process that's just going to play out overnight. It's going to take a while for this whole thing to play out. So how do you trade him? 
Right. And and that's the thing that we're kind of leading our way into. And Jordan said, it's not funny if something bad happened, but still like laugh out loud. Like, yeah, right now, I, I think it's okay to kind of embrace the humor of the situation and the fact that it is a little weird that Sean Watson just like loves massages so much. But again, like, like you said, if, if, if there really were, were victims here and think bad things happened, obviously that humor only goes so far. We're not, uh, no one would be condoning that that's funny, even in the slightest, but to, to Crocker's kind of point is recently pro football talk, said that despite all of these allegations, and I believe it was Aaron Wilson uh, of the Houston Chronicle via pro and, and kind of reported by Pro Football Talk, said there were still six teams that remained interested and are monitoring the situation surrounding the lawsuits. So, and right now, the 49ers are among one of those six teams. In addition to the 49ers, you have the Philadelphia Eagles, Carolina Panthers, New York Jets, Miami Dolphins, Denver Broncos. Okay, and shout out to uh, 49ers Web Zone. They're just kind of the uh, the uh, the website I'm picking all this information up from. Uh, they were just one of the first things that came up when I typed 49ers Watson. So, and uh, and I've and I've had a lot of a uh, lot of business with 49ers Web Zone over the past. I appreciate those guys. They do good things. Um, so it's, it, I mean, it's the, the here. So here's the quote from Wilson. Watson, who's currently facing seven filed lawsuits from Houston attorney Tony Busby. Yep, that's his real name. He had a strong reputation as a high-character individual with no off-field incidents until the series of accusations unfolded this week. NFL Special Counsel for Investigations, Lisa Friel, a former prosecutor, is conducting an investigation into whether Watson has violated the league's personal conduct policy. So, And we've known the NFL to do this in the past. They will do their own investigations into things that is completely separated from the law, and it could go both ways. The NFL could find guilt in violation of their conduct policy, whereas the law doesn't, or it could go the other way. The law does, but the NFL doesn't. I, we've seen it before. So apparently the 49ers among those other teams are still interested and in, watching, uh, which doesn't surprise anybody. You know, re- last week we talked about the fact that uh, there was that report saying that Deshaun Watson wants to go to the 49ers or the Broncos. Everybody knows the Panthers are after a quarterback. Uh, everybody knows the Jets are after a quarterback. The Dolphins, you know, it's none of that surprising. And there's probably more teams than that. It's just apparently what it's been going on hasn't necessarily pushed the 49ers out of the picture per this report. But again, that's, that's surface level stuff. Of course, you're going to monitor the situation like everybody is. Of course, they are. You know, it doesn't doesn't really mean much. It's just. Um, it's interesting though. It's the whole situation. I think the timing of it. I think the timing of it throws everything off. Like even if you are interested, like say the 49ers, I think you would like to know ahead of time if if you do still plan on addressing the quarterback situation. Now obviously they looked into Joe Flacco, so they they are to some capacity interested in acquiring an, another backup quarterback, right? Um, and maybe they're looking to still upgrade the position if possible through the draft or other, right? So if you are interested in a Watson and, or you want to just address the quarterback position in general, you would like to probably do it before the draft, you know, whether it was Watson or other, because once the draft comes, you're probably going to address that. It kind of reminds me of, I remember um, a few years back when Des Bryant was released from the Cowboys. Well, they released Des Bryant like, like it wasn't at the start of free agency. They released him like a few weeks after free agency where everybody that 
Like they have they have receivers. Now, you know, that whole wave of receivers have gone by already um, through free agency and everything, and everybody's preparing for the draft. The draft is coming up. But, we, no, we don't need Des Bright. And he got he got screwed in that whole process and wasn't picked up. You know, that that could be something uh, that the that kind of – I don't know if the Titans are looking for that, <clears throat> excuse me, where they, you know, they kind of hold him hostage a little bit and say, ha-ha, now you got to play for us. Or – if they're if the whole thing is kind of screwing them up to where he loses the value or everybody wants to wait to see how it plays out. But by the time the draft comes, I mean, how often do you see a quarterback be traded after, like, you know, heading into training camp? I can't recall Sam Bradford a few years back got traded to Minnesota for a first round pick, I believe, or traded away from Minnesota for a first round pick. Right. But that was in an instance where I, you know, a quarterback got hurt. And maybe it was Teddy Bridgewater that got hurt. And it was like, damn, we have to go into the season with some sort of quarterback. So they had to give up a first-round pick for uh, Sam Bradford. That was a unique situation. I think right now, if you know the, the Texans, they're not going to really get value for Watson throughout this whole process. And then after the draft, I think his value would go down even more, I, I'd assume. But, you know, that's just a guess. Yeah, it's just a weird situation. I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, how convenient that this comes up now from a guy that used to live uh, you know, or who might still live next to the Texans owner and all that stuff. And 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 we'll see. I know that there's been other things in the past that this, this lawyer has been involved in that it, it's all conjecture right now. I don't even want to go too far down the rabbit hole because then you're just kind of, you know, you might be validating points or giving airtime to points that don't deserve any talking, you know? So I don't want to go down the conspiracy theory route and talk about, you know, if this was all fabricated and why the Texans might or might not do that. And I don't, I certainly don't want to have that conversation uh, if it all really happened, because then you just end up looking like an ass and you were, you know, right. uh, so we're not going to go that route. I'm not going to try and talk about reasons that, that this could have come up that aren't true, especially when, when we end up finding out that it is why well, I should say if, but Obviously a serious matter that kind of just – this is one of those things that's bigger than sports, but at the same time, obviously it's going to have huge, huge impacts on how all this all goes down to Crocs Point. It's like if teams that were going to be very passionate about acquiring Deshaun Watson, one, this probably cools them off a little bit, and two, if, if, that, if, they, if they can't do that or feel comfortable doing that before the draft, anybody that was super into Deshaun Watson is also going to be super into a quarterback in general. And so maybe they feel like they have to make their move in the draft. And like Croc said, it just takes people out of the game or, or cools them off to a point where it, you know, maybe the Texans are like, you know, yep, you're still here. Sorry, bud. So it, it could get really weird. And this whole, this whole process doesn't seem anywhere close to finish, whether you're talking about the legal stuff, the Texan stuff, strictly football stuff. There's just so much to unfold with that situation that it's tough seeing anything happening especially football related anytime soon it's just it's just wild it's just this whole situation that's just spiraled out of control um so we'll see what happens that's all we can do is kind of wait around and see how the the story develops and you know the truth gets clearer I, i i would assume um but as you can expect the 49ers are paying attention folks there's there's our report and it's not our report so anyways let's um let's Let's kind of transition. Obviously, something we just wanted to talk about, especially with the 49ers still being rumored as far as paying attention to it. 
But so the 49ers have, I mean, things have kind of settled, you know, and that's, and that's to be expected. Things have kind of settled. The 49ers kind of have their free agent class, you know, spearheaded by Trent Williams. Then you have Kyle Juszczyk, Jason Verrett, uh, you know, and, and you got the smaller names, Ross Dwelly. They kept around Jeff Wilson, and that's a, that. That's kind of with all these bigger free agent signings, that one's kind of going under the radar because Jeff Wilson has, to me, the potential to be a number one tight back right along, right alongside Raheem. You know, they kept Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, they kept DJ Jones on what looks to be like a one-year, three-point-five million-dollar deal, which seems relatively like. Like, of course you would sign that when it comes to somebody like DJ Jones because he's had trouble staying on the field, but when he is, he's he's flashed really, really well. And then obviously you got Samson. Real, real quick, what do, you think about, what do you think about Solomon Thomas getting paid more than DJ Jones? Because DJ Jones has just been a better football player. But Solomon Thomas is the one that got the bigger contract, and he's coming off of a tour in ACL. Uh, I mean, I think that that just has to do with kind of the hype surrounding the individual. You know, you have what was DJ Jones, a six round pick. And, and yeah. of course, he's been more effective on the field. But it's kind of like the politics that you've talked about. You know what I mean? Like, of course, the third overall pick defensive lineman who still looks like a freak athlete. But, yeah, he's coming off injury. It doesn't surprise me that he got more because I feel like his name right now just commands more. As stupid as that yeah. is and has. And DJ Jones has been a lot more effective than Solomon Thomas, but it's just he's Solomon Thomas, the former third overall pick, and it's it's just the what it is, what it is, because it's certainly not based off results, right? Solomon Thomas has never really done anything that it was impressive. Sorry to say, you know, John Lynch's first ever draft pick didn't work out. Hate to say I told you so, but check Twitter, I did. Anyways. That's enough toot my own horn. So, I mean, what's your general what's your general feeling on free agency right now, Croc? Whether that's on what the 49ers have done, what they haven't done, you feeling pretty good about it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's steady. You know, I, I don't look at this team and think that oh man, like they they can't compete with other teams. You know, I, I feel and I think everybody felt last year. 49ers could have made a run with if healthy, you know, and that, that was the biggest issue, uh, health. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, have they improved on, on, on their health? I don't know how much, you know, luck or maybe it's just the players that they have that, you know, and that's the reason. If it's the players, then, yeah, I guess we're still going to have a lot of issues. But if it was just, okay, maybe it's just freak incidents for guys not being healthy for a full season. If, if that's the case, then I, I like where the 49ers are where I feel like there aren't, you know, just huge glaring holes. Um, you know, it, it sucks to not know where D Ford is and that whole situation sounds like everybody's kind of leaning towards him just not playing. And it seems like 49ers might be preparing for him to not play. And, you know, you started talking about the the signing of Ebukam. Yep. Did I get that right? All right. Yeah, um, close enough. Bro. We'll, we'll go with it. <laughs> Right. So, um, you know, maybe that's – I don't know if that's D Ford insurance. It sounds like the 49ers want to play him at defensive end. And, you know, if that's the case, it, it sucks because D Ford, <laughs> you traded for him, you know, you gave up the, the second round, you know, draft capital. Uh, you know, he he looked to be somebody that would be, you know, really important to what the 49ers were doing going forward. You know, they, they signed him to a large contract, you know, right after trading for him. And 
it just hasn't worked out. You know, he played that one year, missed what four games or whatever, then played one game last year, and, and, and that was it. And he nobody knows if he's going to play another snap again, and they they can't really get out of his contract because I believe last off season they moved some of his money around, and it seems like they yeah they just can't get out of that situation. So you know that's tough. But aside from that, I like where the 49ers are. You know, right now, um, you know, they're still, and I've seen some people asking questions about it in the group chat about, you know, who who they could possibly add, you know, or, you know, do we see Kawan Williams coming back or even Tart, you know, and th- those are things. I'm not exactly sure what the 49ers are ca- with their cap space and then how much they have to leave for the draft class. But if you can bring back just one of those guys, I think that would just shore up another like hole that the 49ers currently have, which I think those holes are kind of getting lesser, lesser and lesser. The 49ers right now, they have eight million per over the cap. Uh, they have eight, essentially eight million in salary cap space. And that is not including uh, the D Ford restructure. Cause right now they still have D Ford's cap number at 20 million. And I believe D Ford signed a restructured two mil, two year, $12 million deal. And half of that deal was essentially already guaranteed to him because D Ford wasn't going to be able to pass a physical uh, in order for the 49ers to release him. And essentially all the guarantees of that season, should he not pass that physical kind of were in the neighborhood of 11 or 12 million. So the 49ers kind of just bit the bullet on that and then added one more year to it. And, and I don't know the ins and outs of what – obviously the 49ers are pretty good at the salary cap and what they do with players. I don't know the ins and outs of why that was what they chose to do. But that's what they did. And so that cap number should drop significantly. If it was just at face value, it should drop $8 million, um, to twelve. But I don't know if that's how it's going to play out. It could be less than that because of what – how the 49ers allocated the money in the new restructured deal. Um, I knew, I do know that the draft class should be somewhere around eight or 9 million, I believe. And that number sometimes can be overstated. And I'm not a big, again, I'm not a huge cap guy. I try to understand it the best I can so I can talk to you guys about it. Um, but you got to realize too, that the salary cap is determined by adding up the cost of the top 51 players on the roster. So as you add draft picks, you know, based on their salary scale, based on the round they were taken, they bump people down the 51. So as draft pick, pick player rookies are added, um, somebody else falls off. So it's not, you can't just add up the salaries, uh, kind of the base salary of all the draft picks and say, oh, here's the cost, because you're also removing players from that total list. So right. I don't I don't know how, I don't know the math of it all. I, I've just seen the number eight to nine million commonly thrown around. And that's right where the 49ers are. The 49ers don't even quite have $8 million. So once that D4 restructure hits, we'll see when that takes place. They'll have a little bit more money to work with. I want to say that they could probably – but they still have to round out the roster too. They still have to add undrafted free agents. They still have to add you know, just the random free agents to fill out the rest of the roster roster compete in training camp you know stuff like that and again it's all the top 51 but some of those guys might command veteran salaries that end up being more expensive than some of these guys so they don't really have a lot of room to work with if i had to guess if you're talking and i've seen him mentioned a couple times in the chat if you're talking like a Kerry Hyder or a Kwan williams neither of which have been resigned or excuse me uh, signed by another team or resigned 
I would think it would have to be maybe one of those guys. And again, I'm not a salary cap guy. It wouldn't surprise me if, let's say, they wanted to, they could get both. It, I just, it, I don't know enough about how to squeeze all that stuff in. I want to say my gut tells me they could probably get one more player like that, one more starter, if you will. Maybe I, you know, if I could be as broad as that. Feel like they might be able to get one more of those. Then that D Ford restructure kicks them back up to where they have enough money to re- to sign their draft class and you know the, the rest of the players that would fill out the the roster. So I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I just I, I can't sit here and pretend like I know exactly what they've got room for. Um, you know. But the the longer it goes on, the cheaper those players become. There are still good players on the 49ers roster that or that were on the 49ers roster that haven't been re-signed. You know, Richard Sherman has not been signed. Solomon Thomas just signed. Jaquiski Tart still has not signed anywhere. Um, Kwan Williams still has not signed anywhere. Uh, you know, he does visit guy. with Kansas City. Yeah, he does have a visit with Kansas City that's tomorrow, I believe. Um, uh, Kerry Hyder, not signed. I'm kind of just looking through this, seeing if there's anybody else that really stands out. The 49ers did re-sign Dante Johnson, which the reaction, we got to at least talk about that real quick. The reaction to the Dante Johnson signing was hilarious. Like, do people really have, and I, I I don't like saying it like that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You got to understand the value that Dante Johnson brings. He's, you don't have to think of him as a starter. Think of him as a second or third string player that could come in and at least know exactly what he's doing. He's been in the NFL for eight years. He's been on the 49ers for like five or six of those eight years. He came in in a pinch last year after Kwan Williams and Jamar Taylor went down and actually did pretty well. And so, I, I mean, I saw people just kind of freak out. And I'm like, man, those are the types of guys you want on your team. Like experienced veterans that have been on your team for a while that don't cost a lot and that can step in and you won't feel like you're, you're completely exposed. Striking Gold is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Is what the 49ers going to do with the third overall pick stressing you out? Or maybe it's something a little more personal. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. 
You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash gold. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Striking Gold listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash gold. That's betterhelp.com slash G-O-L-D. What do you, I mean, you're a corner. Obviously, you got words, Croc. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I felt like definitely it's overreaction to the fans. But, you know, a lot of fans kind of hold on to certain moments. Like, you know, oh, he always gets burnt. Like, look what happened in the Eagles game. And it's like, man, like, that was one play. You know, he played a lot last year. And I felt like when he was active, he helped us a lot more than when he wasn't. Remember when he wasn't against the Dolphins? <laughs> and we all saw what kind of happened, you know, that game. When you look at Dante Johnson, and I think – we have to start looking at like what are what's these what's this guy's role? You know, like Kendrick Bourne. A lot of what I get on Kendrick Bourne, oh, he's not that good. Like he's he's not this, he's not that. And it's like, what well, what do you what do you expect Kendrick Bourne to be? Kendrick Bourne is solid in the role that was carved out for him, which essentially is the fourth option on the team. And I thought that Kendrick Bourne, considering who he is, did well. In that role, when you look at Dante Johnson, he probably started off the roster on the roster, but like the sixth corner on the roster, like the sixth cornerback. So if your sixth cornerback has to play, regardless whether it's Dante Johnson or other, they're probably like not great, right? You're not you're not counting on that person to be your first or second corner. But if they do have to play, you want them to at the very least be serviceable. And I thought that Dante Johnson, for kind of who he is and what his career path is and stuff like that, he's able to fill in on the outside. He can fill in in the nickel, and he also can fill in that safety. You know, and if you really want to know how they feel about him, you know, he was playing in the slot over Emmanuel Mosley, who was healthy and was just playing special teams. They had Keller Witherspoon and Dante Johnson playing over Mosley. So, that lets you know, like, hey, he's he's doing something right. He's doing something right, I, I think, for who he is. He's a solid depth piece. Yeah, if I lose Kwan Williams and then I lose uh, Jamar, Jamar Taylor, Taylor, hopefully I have a Dante Johnson that can fill in as my third nickel. Like, you know what I'm saying? And what are you really expecting from your third nickel? So I think even with this signing, he's not someone who you want to have to play and start. But at the very least, you know, he can fill in that multiple spots. He's, you know, he's versatile, versatile in that sense. And, you know, he won't be a huge liability like, say, I don't know, 
Number 48. I don't even know his name. Brian Allen? Yeah, him. <laughs> Shout out to Brian Allen, man. I'm sorry. But what you don't want to what, – what cracks me up, and this happens every year like clockwork, and I know all y'all see this, but when they sign someone like Dante Johnson and the replies on social media are, oh, they should have traded for J.C. Jackson. Or like, man, they should have traded for Stephon Gilmore instead. Like those two moves are not related. Like right. we just signed our third or fourth string nickel corner or, or our, our fourth or fifth string perimeter corner not traded for one of the best corners in the league. Like they're not related. You got to understand that not every player on a roster can be the best player. It's, I, I'll never get over it. It'll always make me laugh is when, you know, the 49ers re-signed Dante Johnson and then everybody's like, oh, man, could have done way better than him. Like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. They don't have unlimited money. They're signing players that are backups. Like, chill out. It's it's just it's a football team. That's how it's built. Just relax, champ. Anyways, before we get too far down the rabbit hole, um, could have done a lot worse, Tom. Let's let's get into some we – we got some speaker requests in here. We got Mike. He's been chilling patiently. We got uh, we got Rainier chilling. Let's get some speaker requests. Let's see what you guys want to talk about. Uh, Crocker, keep a close eye on that chat. Make sure there ain't isn't something we gotta we absolutely gotta respond to. Um, and I appreciate the fact that you guys have your own conversations in there. I love that. All right, Mike, you are on stage, my friend. How you doing, dude? <laughs> hey, I'm good, man. How are you doing, Rob? Croc? I'm so- I'm solid, man. I'm solid. I'm chilling. It, it, it's me from last week from the Pettis kick. Oh, I know, dude. Like I, like I would have just. I, I'm horrible at names, but I'm not that horrible at names. No, but you know, I mean, I got to remind you, so it's all good. Right, right. <laughs> um, no, but seriously though, I mean, we've waited this long now. I mean, like, like there's got to be a chance to get um, uh, uh, Williams and uh, Hyder back. There's got to be a chance. Is that, I mean, that's, so I, I, those are pretty much, and I feel like that's kind of the general consensus. If the 49ers, now, would you say that those two free agents, like, would you rather them just re-sign them over taking a look at anybody else? Yeah, because they already know the system. Like, yeah, every, I agree. Like, like, there's no, there's no learning curve. Like, we can just, it's just plug and play. And we've already seen what they can do without Bosa and, and everyone healthy. So, like, what's the possibility of what they could do with everyone healthy? I mean, it, you know, sky's the limits. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, if, if the 49ers can do it, I would say that I would definitely lean towards someone like Kwan Williams over Kerry Hyder, and that's not an indictment of Kerry Hyder at all. It's just that the 49ers currently don't really have someone to play nickel corner right now. They have Nick Bosa's coming back. They just signed Samson Nebuchadnezzar. At least they got a, a couple of pass rushers. Not that you could ever have too many of those, uh, obviously. Um, but they they still, to me, K1 would be a huge addition at this point. Well, I just it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't walk out of Kansas City. Yeah, I I just I mean I, I hope they can get them both. But um, I mean I'm I'm kind of rooting for Hyder a little bit more. But at the same time, I do get I do get Williams. So anyway, love the show, guys. Thanks again. Hey man, Thanks, appreciate man. you, dude. So I don't, I mean, Crocker. If it came down to either or, K1 Williams or Kerry Hyder, who would you who would you be taking? <laughs> Let's say that they were the um, same price, because it wouldn't surprise me if they were they were around the same price. I'm. Oh man, that's tough because you know typically I'm always saying edge rusher. 
and I kind of, I still, I got to go with edge rusher. I, I just have to, just because I feel like just that, whether it's depth at that position or just the, you know, his eight and a half sacks, like that, that's a big, that's a big thing right there, whether it's from a depth perspective or with Kerry Hyder starting. So, you know, that playing, you know, opposite of Bosa with other guys who do fill in on the edge as well with, you know, Armstead who plays a lot of edge, um, Ebucam who's, Sounds like they want to play as like just having like that depth and that rotation at that position. I, I think that's big, but oh man, it's hard because it also sounds like you know if you ask people in the locker room and it seems like Kawan Williams played a big part, you know, in just kind of being a, a silent <laughs> leader and just what he's done, very productive at that position. I know I'm I'm kind of rambling on. That's that's a tough question. Typically, I, I'm saying Link, give me edge just because I just want pressure, like in. And we've seen how guys get hurt at that position. Like, just give me edge. Give me edge. Yeah, I think, and and that's safe. I think if you were like trying to make a, you know, if all else, if if all else fails, go with the edge rusher, and that could just apply from to anything. You know, if yeah. if, if you got also, two guys on. Also, I see B uh, B Mitchie, He he just said, um, you know, like he said, uh, I feel he said like I feel like Williams is on the decline and Hyder is on the incline, right? And, and that might be true. And I will say this about Kamal Williams too. He's 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 very impactful um, from a, a, the standpoint of you know he does force takeaways. He's probably one of the 49ers' best best blitzing defensive backs. I think he does that extremely well. And I don't know why some people are just better than other people. Like the timing of it, being able to disguise it, whatever he does that extremely well. But if there is one flaw with Kamal Williams, I, I think it's his pure man coverage skills. He's not great in man. Now, he does a really good job with his zone drops and being able to rally down and keep things in front of him. And he challenges uh, passes, I'd say, eight yards and in, eight yards and and under. But kind of downfield or having to really play man coverage, if there was one place where, you know, he kind of lacks a little bit, I'd say it's it's right there. Right. And he gets hurt, like Malik just said. Malik talked about how he gets hurt. And, you know, I talked about that before on the pod, like where it seems like, He's kind of banged up every game. It seems like at some point he's walking off the field. He's tough, right. he's a little dude, and he plays in there in the trenches, you know. But yeah, I feel like we got to talk about this because I feel like the answer is pretty easily, but it gives me a chance to talk about it. Dan asked, "Who wins in a bar fight, Kinlaw, uh, Javon Kinlaw, or Trent Williams?" I feel like that answer is very easy. What do you think, Rock? Kinlaw, that's a big country strong dude. <laughs> Have you seen, no way! Have you seen I think you are so wrong, bro. I think Trent Williams would throw Kinlaw. Oh wait, Trent Williams. Oh my bad. I, I don't know why I thought Solomon Thomas and Javon Kinlaw. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Trent Williams. Yeah, I'm going with Trent Williams. Trent Williams is one of the biggest dudes, and it's not just height wise. Like the dude has a tattoo of a silverback gorilla on his back. He's got, and I feel like K1 Williams, or excuse me, Trent, Trent Williams is one of the first people I've ever seen where I was like, man, he might actually be able to hold up against a gorilla. And I know that's not true at all because <laughs> gorillas are ridiculously strong and they just look swole in their natural state. But it's just like, man, Trent Williams is so massive. Like that dude, his arms are like the circumference of my waist. He, and, like, the dude is just an absolute freak. And then the fact that he can move. Like, the scary thing to me is just Trent Williams outweighs me by, by like, 100 pounds. Uh, and he would still chase me down. 
you know, like I would, I would have, there'd be no escape. So oh, I, I oh, no. Did, did you see, do you see the chat right now? You see what Tom just said? He said, Ken Law is out there can- carrying squirrels in his mouth. There's got to be the element of unknown with him, too. And I do agree. You know, he, he is from the South. He's out there. I mean, I saw him, like, hunting and stuff with, like, Crocs on. Like, he's different. And I don't know if you've seen him now. Like, I just saw him, like, I don't know if he was working out or whatever. He had a shirt off. Pause. But he had a shirt off and everything. And I'm like, man, like, I, I remember seeing the picture of him last year like that. And he looked a little flabby. Right now, he looks like he's probably in maybe the best shape that he's ever been in. That, that's a big, that's a big dude. That's a big dude too. And he's, what, he's 6'5", 325 plus pounds. That's a, that's a, that, that's a big, that's a big guy. And, and again, you know, from the South doing all that weird stuff, he, he got a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, Javon Kinlaw certainly like, he seems like no holds barred, like nothing's off limits for that guy. Like if he's got squirrels in his mouth, then he's going to bite your finger off. And that's just all there is to it. You just got to be ready for it. But I mean, oh man, that seems like one of those fights that like they would both get a running start. And when they ran into each other, there would be like a little shock wave and all the mirrors in the bar would break. And then, and then it would just be all out, you know, it'd be like Dragon Ball Z where they're powering up for like a whole episode. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's legit. But so, yeah, the free agency thing is weird. I want to say the 49ers are kind of, I know that was kind of really, we, we really cooled off there. Went straight from a, an epic battle between Javon Kinlaw and Trent Williams. And now we're just right back to free agency being possibly done. And I'm sorry. I mean, is there anybody out there, Croc? I don't know if you have the list of, of people. In, is there anybody out there that you've just been looking at that you feel like is like, this guy should just be in here already? Is there anybody out there that you've thought about it like that yet? Nah, I mean, you know, with with cornerbacks still being the need for the 49ers, yeah, they they, they got Verrett and, and that's solid, but, you know, that's a one-year thing. And then you got Mosley. You know, if there was still a position where 49ers could address, is definitely cornerback. But cornerbacks, just for the price, even free agency, you're just kind of still overpaying. And, I, I mean, with the 49ers are in position to where it's like they, they are at 12, they're in position to grab a good, a really good cornerback. Now, where they want to go cornerback or edge or I mean, quarterback or, you know, offensive line, whatever, I, I don't know. We'll see how much they value the cornerback position. But if you want to get some really good young talent in that room, which they haven't had in a long time, like, like you know, with that type of level of expectations, dude, you're picking that 12. You're going to have your pick of either uh, – and there's four guys I really like at that spot. Obviously, Horn, you know, he's my favorite guy in this class. Newsom, I actually like him like second most. If I had to rank my guys right now, he'd be my CB two. And then you have uh, Farley and Sertain. So like 49ers are in position, they're going to be able to get probably two of those guys, be able to pick from two of those guys at the least. So I, I, I would, you know, I, I, I would like to get a corner. And I think free agency, you can go that route. Malcolm Butler, uh, AJ B, uh, uh, Bouye, like you have those guys out there right now, but I think I still would go the route of addressing that in, in, in the draft. Like the 49ers have to get cheap. Like you have to start like uh, paying less money for, for guys as you pay, you know, Trent Williams a ton of money and use check a ton of money. You have to find other ways to kind of cut back. And I think that's, you know, investing in the cornerback position, like which is a premium position where typically you're going to pay a lot of money for guys. Go ahead, go to the draft and address it that way and get three guys for the price of one. 
Well, and that's and that's the thing we talked about a few a few weeks ago is like just just by the way the 49ers roster is currently constructed. And and I know this isn't the the best of of things to think about for everybody, but let's say the 49ers are well and truly sold on Jimmy Garoppolo. They are ready to run it back with him next year with all the, you know, the improved offensive line and they feel like they can still be pretty good and they can, you know, make a run another run at the Super Bowl. If that was kind of the the realm that we were living in with the 49ers, I wouldn't even be surprised to see them get like like in the first 3 picks, two of them are corners. You know, you get like your your starting perimeter guy, your stud, you know, that your guy that you hopefully if you want him to can follow anybody around the field. And then maybe in the second or the third round, you're getting like, you know, if they never address the nickel spot, you're getting one of those smaller, shiftier corners that can kind of do whatever. I know there's a few of them in the draft that are kind of – There's one from Washington. Yeah, Washington has a defensive back. I think he's kind of listed as safety, but he's essentially a nickel. Um, And and he's like a – Would that kind of like this – I don't know if you've watched him, but does that make him kind of like a a honey badger type where they kind of – 49ers already kind of have that in Jimmy Ward. He can kind of do whatever they want to do. But I'm wondering if they're kind of trying to get a guy that – because you were talking about how much the 49ers move people around this last season. I'd be wondering if they were trying to get a guy that they felt like they could almost put anywhere. Uh, you know, like another Jimmy Ward. I, I just – I don't know what they need right. to that – like to that amount of detail. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of defensive backs just in general are, are a little versatile now. I mean, I, I just watched and I put out, you know, patreon.com slash crock talk. Um, <laughs> I just put out a whole thing on, <laughs> on Javon, Javon Holland, um, and he's a defensive back from Oregon. So he he plays essentially I, – I think it's it's pretty much that star position that Minka Fitzpatrick played for Alabama. So it's like a – it's a nickel. It's a nickel, but – it's kind of a nickel slash a safety slash like always on the field. Um, a lot of times kind of around the line of scrimmage as well. So you get somebody like him, he's very versatile. Now he's not a pure just man nickel guy where he can just guard all types of body sizes. But if the 49ers are looking for like more versatility from from someone, it, it could be somebody like him or or the kid from Washington, number three. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Oh well, that's all right. Well, uh, it just gives us all a reason to look it up. Let's keep let's keep rolling. Let's. I don't want to put the speaker requests off too long. Rainier's been chilling in here for a hot minute. So Rainier, you are on stage, my friend. Hopefully, you're still there. What you got, yes, man? Yes, sir. Hey guys, thank you for having me on. Of course, man. How do you guys say it? Uh, long time listener, first time caller. There it is, bro. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Very excited. Uh, thank you. Well, I have two questions. One is actually more like a rant, but. The first question goes, what is to be expected for Javon Kinlaw this upcoming season? And what is basically, what what do you guys consider satisfactory to, I guess, guess um, get his value? You know, based on the value, uh, his value and the draft pick that we uh, we got him for, what, what do you guys consider like, oh, okay, this was a pretty good season for him, relatively speaking, you know? You're talking about for Javon Kinlaw? Yeah, Javon Kinlaw. Um, I mean, it's so hard to to to, to I you know because I, I don't want to be unrealistic because I mean, 
DeForest Buckner's first season with the 49ers, obviously he was good. He plays a ton of snaps. He was still obviously good. I mean, it just depends on what your metric you're looking at. You know, Forrest Buckner only had six sacks in his first season and then only had three in his second season. And and obviously we know that DeForest Buckner is like all pro talent. So to me, it, it's almost like it's like an eye test thing. Like, you know, there's obviously stuff that PFF comes with where, you know, pressure stats, you know, run stops. Then there's quarterback hits, there's tackles for loss. To me, it's it's almost – I wouldn't say it's the last thing. Sacks are the last thing. But it, it doesn't just come down to that. To me, it's more of an eye test thing. You know, I just want to see Javon Kinlaw be consistently involved, whether he's flushing the quarterback out or he's standing up to a double team or he's stopping a running back right at the line of scrimmage. And I'm not saying he has to do that every time. It, it, to me, it's much more of like an, an eye test. Like, what do I see from him? If the stats are great, the snaps are great. But I do think that there could be a lot more to it than that. I just want to see him going into year two, just just have an impact. Maybe that's the best way to say it. What do you think, uh, yeah. Crocker? Yeah, I, no, I agree. Just like what it looks like, you know, and like we, we saw some plays jump out where it's like, whoa, you know, he beat a guy really quick. Maybe he didn't get there quick enough to maybe knock the quarterback down or get a sack. But just what it looks like, you know, when we watched a lot of Solomon Thomas, I feel like he never did anything that like jumped off and gave us a lot of, you know, like, oh man, like this is really encouraging to see. We didn't, we didn't get that from him. I think with Kinlaw, he gave us those plays. Now, can we see it a little bit more? And I think as he progresses a little bit more as a pass rusher, getting more, you know, advanced pass rush moves, maybe even taking care of his body more, um, you know, and getting a little bit, you know, quicker and everything. I, I think th- those are things that's really going to help him and, you know, develop into a much better player. So I think just, like you said, more so the eye test. Obviously, you would like to see him finish plays more, get those sacks. I think those things are going to happen more as well when you have a Bosa playing alongside of you. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I think, shoot, the best thing that can happen for him is, is Bosa stay healthy. <laughs> and I think that that <laughs> even make a difference in probably, his, you know, his sack total. Yeah, that's a good point. What was your, uh, what was your other question, man? Well, uh, the other one has to uh, – I'm, I'm sure you guys are already tired of hearing this about Deshaun Watson. So everybody that I'm, all my fellow 49er fans, all my friends that I talk to about all these hypothetical scenarios that you guys talk about in the podcast, you know, I bring it up to them. There, I don't know if this is such a, it, it's it's starting to piss me off because I feel like <laughs> everybody in the world, in the NFL, the, the the owners, the fans, you know, they overvalue, I feel like, the draft picks. And if you think about it, people that I've spoken to about this on Watson, I, I'd tell them, like, yeah, I'd give easily three or even four first-round picks. Because if you look at our last two picks, it, without using hindsight, of course, right, and first guessing, well, you were to think, like, okay, we – the last – Last year we drafted um, Joan Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk. What, it, based on those metrics and those um, those picks that we've seen, you know, before even them, um, doesn't sound too crazy to draft four first round picks. Assuming, because this is how I'm seeing it, I assume that from now, from now all the way to, I don't know, a couple years from now, we're not going to be picking top 15. I'd say we're going to be looking around the ranges of 25 to 30 second. Hopefully 30 seconds, right? <laughs> that, that means we want to. <laughs> um, but, like, thinking like that, I feel like 49er fans, 49er nations should 
should probably go, okay, you know what? I do see ourselves picking um, past 20th pick for the next two to three years. It doesn't sound too crazy when you look at it from that aspect, you know, to actually give up for first rounders for Deshaun Watson. Right. Essentially what you're saying is kind of go the route of like maybe the Seahawks and the Rams. And what what I would say to that is like, yeah, like I don't think there's just one right way to do things. I, I feel like, However you do it, just have a plan for that way, and you can always work around it. People can say whatever they want to say about the Rams and how they do things, and they never – I don't think they've had a first-round draft pick since Jared Goff, however many years ago that was. But mm-hmm. more times than not, they're in the playoffs. You know, three out of the last four years, they're in the playoffs, where everybody wants to hoard these draft picks and do these different things. But you look at the 49ers, and three out of the last four years, the 49ers have not been in the playoffs. Now, I think there was, like, a bigger – uh, you know, rebuilding situations that the 49ers had to do. But at the end of the day, the Rams philosophy has just been like, hey, do whatever we have to do to get, you know, high-end players and we'll figure out the rest later. And they, they've done it. People can talk about the cap and all this and they're, they might be over the cap and they just figure out a way to make everything work. They have these high-end elite players and they're always pushing for the playoffs and again, what they do today, they just signed Deshaun Jackson, you know, and you should look at the way that they've kind of addressed things and done things. They haven't cared about any draft picks. So, yeah, I've, I feel like you can go the draft way, but if you are picking at the end of the first round every year, like say like the Seahawks as well, same thing. They give up, like, I don't care about these draft picks. And they're consistently going to the playoffs. Now, part of it might be because of who they have at quarterback, but the Rams quarterback hasn't been good and they've still made it. So I, I just feel like, Maybe there's a you know uh, element of luck with the Rams because they, yeah they've been healthy. But the, to what you're saying, f those draft picks. You know what I'm saying? Forget the draft picks. If if Watson is your guy, like if Watson is your guy, right. and you want him. Aside from all the stuff that's going on, but if Watson is your guy and that's who you want, then you just just go get him and and you'll figure out the rest. <laughs> you'll figure it out. Right. But you got to swing big sometimes and you have to take some chances and. Sometimes you're doing the works out. Sometimes you do, and, and it doesn't work out. But you just have to have your plan and your philosophy and go about it that way. And right now, the 49ers' philosophy has typically been to kind of lay back, be a little bit more, you know, conservative with their approach, um, you know, make moves that they're a little bit more comfortable with doing with how they want to do it. And they've gone about it that way. And it's hard to argue with even that way because they have reached the Super Bowl I think, you know, missing the playoffs the way they have has been more about health than anything. So, you know, it just – I guess it's just however you decide to do it. I would I, – the one really short example I would say is look – I mean, I'll read it off here. This is just straight off of Google. The Raiders received the Bears' 2019 and 2020 first-round picks, a sixth-round pick in 2019, and a third-round pick in 2024, Khalil Mack. The Raiders are still looking for a great pass rusher, and they would much if they got a chance to do it all over again. They would much rather have Khalil Mack than all those draft picks. The Raiders got quite a bit for Khalil Mack, but that was dumb because you're trading away a known high caliber player for unknowns in draft picks, and so that's why people overvalue them. Yes, the possibility is there that you could get great players, and when it's like the number two overall pick, of course you you know it's pretty. It, I wouldn't say it's easy, but you know of course you can land a Nick Bosa with the number two overall pick because it's the number two overall pick, and at that point 
you know, the chances of someone succeeding are a lot higher. But look at how much the Raiders got for Khalil Mack, and they're still trying to look for a Khalil Mack. They're still using draft picks to look for someone like Khalil Mack, and they haven't found him. And so they would just rather have the Khalil Mack back than the draft picks. And, of course, there was all the fact that, they, you know, they were going to have trouble paying him. But it's just – it's stupid. Like, when you have a chance to, to score a truly elite player, just get, get the elite player and, like Croc said, make it work. Yeah, because, honestly, I don't I, – I I'm with the optimism of, of thinking that they're going to not draft – I don't think we're going to draft 12th, 15th, 17th, 20th in the next three years. And the only reason why we did this year was due to injuries. Now, I mean, I had a lot of, you know, Cowboy fans that I – I don't know why I'm associated with. They're always calling me the 29er, you know, because we only had like it almost felt like we only had 29, 29 of our of our players, you know, available. Everybody else was too injured, and I mean it happens, you know. But in this case, when it in terms of drafting, hey, you know, I we're, we're going to give you, for example, my next year's 25th let's just say the next three years within the 20th range for Deshaun Watson, a transcendent uh, talent. Okay. I'm okay with that. But like Crocky said, um, they've been very conservative and actually I can't even name a time when they went, when they went balls to the walls for us. They they have made moves though, but typically it's just things that they're more like Dante pot. Right. Right. But like you said, Crocky, uh, the Rams, they're going to qualify next year you know, for playoffs. Seahawks, I don't know how. I mean, their secondary, I mean, it's what, Jamal Adams, that's it? <laughs> and now they got Spoon? I mean, I don't, I mean, it doesn't look great. No, they got Diggs. They, they got Quandry Diggs. Diggs is solid. Like, but then, then they got a quarterback too. So you can kind of, when you, once you get a quarterback, you can kind of do whatever. Now, you might not be like, oh, Super Bowl or bust this year, but you know every year you're going to compete. You know, so I, I think that's how the, the Seahawks look at it. They try to acquire, you know, big time talent, you know, and and then kind of just figure it out from there as well. Um, but obviously, maybe that's why Russell Wilson is frustrated with them. You know, I I don't know, but um, there, there's just more. There's more than one way to do it. I saw somebody, I think it was Malik in the chat, saying that the way that the Rams do it isn't is not very uh, consistent, sustainable, or or sustainable, sustainable. But I'll say this. We there's no proof that is not sustainable. What we do know is their way of doing things so far has landed them in the playoffs for uh, three out of the last four years. And if I had to guess, I'd say with the team that they have right now for the next two years, I could see them being in the playoffs. So then now we're looking at six out of you know or five or six out of seven years them going to the playoffs, and 49ers are still like being conservative trying to figure it out. Right. Right. Well, all right, man. Uh, Rainier, I appreciate you, man. No Good problem. little. Uh, Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. No. Of course. Of course. Jump back in here next time. Um, let's just jump straight into uh, to Samuel's speaker request because he's been chilling for a while too. Uh, Samuel, what do you got, my man? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. How you guys doing tonight? Solid, dude. Solid. Everything's going great. Great. Good to hear it, man. Uh, I just had a quick question with Trent getting his big payday, locking up left tackle for the future. Do you think that it kind of spells like maybe Mike won't be getting a payday? Uh, McGlinchey won't be getting a payday? Like, do we really want to pay 
both sides of the tackles because this is a great tack, uh, offensive tackle class. Maybe we commit a pick in the top 50 to that position and try to try to get Mike's air in the room already. Yeah, I think there's no way they're paying Mike McGlinchey. One, he hasn't been good enough to pay. And two, they're not going to have the money, like you said, to pay both their tackles. I would be absolutely not – I'm not going to say shocked at floored. That's too much. I would be very surprised if they paid Mike McGlinchey. I expect him to to uh, to write out his contract, and that could include the fifth-year option if they want. I don't know if they've already gotten to a point where they would have had to have done that. I, I haven't been paying attention. But – I do not think they're going to pay him. I think they'll roll out his contract and then they'll look to address it elsewhere. You know, and, and obviously Trent's at the position you need. He's expecting to play another four or five years if everything goes well. And I would be very, very surprised if they paid Mike McGlinch. The the only the only thing is, and again, maybe I don't know how it fits in with the cap situation and whatnot, but the reason why I can see them paying them, and I'm not saying that they will, but why I can see it is because regardless of how we feel about you know, McGlinchey or whatever, he is good for what they drafted him to be. Remember, they had Trent Brown, and Trent Brown was a terrific pass protector. And they're like, nah, like, we want somebody who can move better in space, you know, and run blocking and all that. So they drafted someone who does just that, and he has been consistently good at that aspect of his game. Not the best pass blocker or protector, but run blocking, he has been really good, right? Like top of the league at his position. So from that standpoint, it's like, hey, I'm I am doing what you guys drafted me to be. And that might be something where they're looking at it like, well, okay, yeah, he's not the greatest pass protector, but we wanted him for this and we have one of the top run run games in the league. Right. And that and that seems logical from that standpoint. I just feel like when and the cap is going to explode, but other people are going to need to get paid. Fred Warner is about to get paid, and I don't know. I mean, who knows? I assume they're going to keep him around, but maybe the team doesn't like the idea of paying a linebacker, you know, fifteen plus million dollars a year. We'll see. We'll see how that all goes. There's, you know, of course the salary cap is going to go up, but so are all these contracts that they just signed, and so other guys are going to need contracts like McGlinchey, like Warner. And, you know, you can keep that going. I don't know what they're going to do with Debo. And you're talking, you know, a couple of years down the line. We'll see how IUK develops. So there's, it's not like, you know, yes, the cap's going to go up, but there's going to be a lot more people that need to be resigned. And the contracts that they just signed are going to get more expensive. So it's not like there's just going to be this glut of extra money. Everything's going to kind of roll with it. But I, you know, I think you make a good point. I could see them looking at McGlinchey that way and, and saying, you know, this is, this guy's exactly what we needed him to be. Now, I don't know how much that, that is worth. You know, I don't, I don't know how much they would be willing to pay him. I just, to me, if I had to guess, I, I don't think they would pay him. But again, I, I would be perfectly fine being wrong. It's not like I'm playing my flag there. But Sam, you got anything else, buddy? No, man. Just wanted to float that out there. You guys have a good week, guys. All right, buddy. You too, man. Appreciate right, you. you. You know, speaking hey, of that, there is a. Uh... Yeah. All right. No, Croc, go, you go ahead. <laughs> well, we had a question in the in, in the chat from Jordan. Well, well then read he, it. He, all right. So he he talks about how John Middlecoff um, talks about like the value of you know edge rushers or pass rushers versus cornerbacks, and I think he put QBs here, but I think he meant he meant corners. And yeah, no, I I agree, and that was why. When I when the, when the question was asked, hey, you know, would you rather have Hyder or Williams? It was hard for me to 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 not say Hyder, 
you know, excuse me. Um, I was like, yeah, like I would probably go higher and go pass rush over the cornerback. But I think that's more so in like, especially with my life, kind of like if, if I don't have edge rushers, which I think the 49ers have, or if maybe the if the edge value in the draft matched the, the draft position. You know, like if if we're sitting at 12 and, and, and I have a ch- choice between the best corner in this class and, and his value is that of t- pick 12 or the best edge rusher and his value is of pick 12, I would go with the edge rusher. But looking at this class, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think the corners at the top of the class are or better than the top of the class edge rushers, if that makes sense. So I just think the value from that standpoint, I got to go cornerback. Whereas if it were even with, you know, just talent protection, all that, where I would have them on my big board, then, yeah, from that standpoint, I would go edge rusher. Well, and I think all of that goes into your evaluation of where you place someone on your big board. You know, positional value has to be a part of your your draft process. You know, like if if things are equal, and let's say as far as, a, you know, grading a, a prospect, you know, and, and an edge rusher and a cornerback have the exact same grade, it all it, then it, the tiebreaker becomes your philosophy. You know, which one do you prefer? Because there's still plenty of people out there that say, eh, I, I, you know, I'll take a, a mediocre pass rush and amazing cover guys uh, versus a great pass rush. And that, I, that's not what I, I think believe. that's the Patriots. Well, I think that's what right. the Patriots do. They don't, I mean, they don't true. go. I mean, they, they traded away uh, Jones. Like, nah, get up out of here. But. They load up on all these, you know, coverage guys in the secondary. Um, paid Stephon Gilmore a ton of money when he was coming over from Buffalo. Like, and who who are their edge rushers? Who who are the Patriots' edge rushers? I think they we just resigned know. Kyle Van Noy. Yeah, so and they just traded Van Noy, and then got him back. So I mean, you know, how good is he? I, I don't know, but it, it just like you said. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said. It just depends on your philosophy. The Patriots cause hell with how they how they cover guys. And they do a lot of mixing and matching and stuff like that. And you have to invest in your cornerback position to be able to do that. Um, but I can't name their edge rushers. Oh, and they did, get, they, did get, uh, they got Judon. He was, okay, remember Judon. the Patriots spent that, spent that ridiculous amount of money in free agency. I forgot that one. That They, they did that really early. Um, the guy from the Ravens, right? I can't remember his, his yeah. first name. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it really just depends on what it comes down to. And you have to – and teams will know that in the beginning. Like like I said, it, they'll know what their, their focus is. They'll know what their – you don't necessarily want to bump a guy up your draft board because of need. Like, oh, we need this guy. But if it comes down to it, you've got two prospects that are really close at like corner and edge. Maybe you take the edge because you just want always want your pass rush to be firing all cylinders, and then you you know you'll priorities corner prioritize corner afterwards. So um, it's there to me. There's really no wrong answer. Like if if there was an edge rusher worth taking at twelve, or you know that they if they feel he's worth taking at twelve and they take an edge rusher, I'm not going to be like, how could they not take a corner? I get it. You know, especially when the two things, um, you know, they overlap so much, and one's kind of dependent on the other in a lot of ways. So we got another speaker request. We got Lance. Lance is chilling. Lance is a regular. Get up in here, Lance. How you doing, buddy? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? I'm good, man. What's up, I'm man? good. 
I don't know how Crocker's doing. <laughs> I'm good. This, this is for Crocker, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, just had uh, two quick questions. Uh, one of them is uh, maybe y'all know maybe more about it. Uh, like I said, I, I like to keep up with Bleach Report, trying to keep up on the information. The community chat for the 49ers, oh, I don't know where it came from. But there's a lot of buzz and hype coming up on this quarterback from Stanford, Davis Mills. One of <laughs> y'all had any y'all heard anything about that? Because Rocker and I oh, were just texting about him like two days ago. So and Crocker okay. is in a position to talk all about him. All right, so I, I have watched him in pretty extensively. So the, the but I have seen him kind of like come about in 49ers Twitter. I think I kind of sparked it at least this time around. I was up late at night and I was actually watching Cameron Bynum. That's who I was trying to watch, right? I'm trying to watch Cam Bynum and I want to do a breakdown on him. Patreon.com slash crock talk. All right. But <laughs> I want to do a breakdown. <laughs> I want to do a breakdown on him. And um, I'm watching him against Stanford and I'm like, oh, that was a good throw. Oh, that was a good throw. Wait a minute. Oh, this is that Davis Mills guy. And I've heard like a couple podcasts where people bring him up, but I'm just like, okay, they keep talking about him as like a mid round guy. Like, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time looking at some mid-round quarterbacks. But I, I start watching him, and I and I actually turn my whole attention to him and watching, like, like okay, who is this dude? And I'm watching, I'm like, damn, and I tweeted it out. I, I haven't watched this Davis Mills guy, but he's perfect for what Kyle Shanahan likes to do or wants to do. And you know, I was like, he's the perfect, like, Kyle Shanahan-type quarterback. And people are like, well, we don't know what Kyle Shanahan-type quarterback is. And I'm like, well, if you judge off of what he's doing, at least right now, offensively, like, just the philosophy of what he's doing, Mills fits that perfectly. Um, I thought he did a really good job of being able to turn his uh, back to a defense and get back around, be accurate with throws. Um, you know, he played a ton under center, like, probably more than anybody else in this class. Um, a lot of power offense formations. I mean, there were even some formations where there were no receivers on the field. It was just like complete power formation. But he did a lot of things where he had to throw a timing, turning his back to the quarterback. Uh, I mean, defense. I thought he did a really good job of being accurate, especially downfield, throwing tight window throws. He had to throw a lot with anticipation. When you when you start looking at like NFL stuff, like what the NFL is going to ask you to do, and this might be maybe Kyle's issue with like, uh, you know, Justin Fields. Bill's not asked to do these type of things. But when you watch him, it's like, damn, he does all these things. And he definitely was athletic enough. Now, where I think he kind of, and you and I talked about this, there's there's a, there's an inexperience. There's a, a certain level of inexperience with him. He hasn't played a whole lot. He's had these in, injuries or whatever. I think he was the number one pro-style quarterback coming out of his class in high school. But he had these kind of injuries that, you know, were setbacks and whatnot. He hasn't played a ton of games. When he has played, there were two games I watched. Uh, I mean, I watched a bunch of games, but two of them, UCLA and Cal, I think between the two games, he threw like seven interceptions. So he has this thing where it's kind of like watching Jimmy Garoppolo, where Garoppolo is like, we look at Garoppolo and it's like, well, he doesn't suck. But it's like, man, why do you throw these boneheaded throws, right? Like, why do you make these boneheaded decisions? And maybe it's just him. Well, Mills kind of did some of those same things where, you know, I think with Mills, he looks like he gives you more athleticism. Looks like he gives you a bigger arm. Um, I liked his ball placement a little bit more from like a perspective of throwing guys open. I think Garoppolo does a good job of like hitting guys in stride, but Garoppolo typically isn't, you know, when it comes to like throwing back shoulders and throwing contested passes, like that's not really Garoppolo's thing. I think Mills gives you that, but again, he gives you that other thing that Garoppolo does where sometimes he just might throw it 
in harm's way and to get picked off. And I don't know if that's just on the Mills side where is it just a lack of experience because he hasn't played a whole lot or what, but um, it was very interesting watching them. The thing I came away with and not just for the 49ers, just for, you know, cause you guys know, I just talk about football in general on my, on my, um, on my um, Twitter account, but just in general, if I were a team and I'm looking for a mid round de- quote unquote development guy, I feel like he is the perfect guy to develop because he has high upside. His coach, David Shaw, said, hey, if if he if he came back this year and played all of next year, he felt like he'd be a top pick, like a top five pick in his class. And I mean, in that class. And I agree. I, I think he has those type of tools. He just has to put it together for a season at Stanford. So he's coming out now. And I when I'm watching him, is like I, I see the high upside, but then I see the boneheaded stuff. If he can go somewhere and kind of sit for a while and just kind of like learn how to not be so, you know, put the ball in harm's way, I think you you, you really have something there with his athleticism, his big arm. He has the size. He, he can make all the throws, anticipation. Everything is there. Um, playing from under center is all there. So I like him from that standpoint. But don't love him because, of, you know, he puts the ball in harm's way. But if I am somebody looking for a quarterback and, you know, I need a day two guy, you know, late second or third round or whatever, I think he's the perfect guy. More so than a guy like Kellen Mond, who's super stiff, robotic, it looks weird when he throws the ball, all that. When you watch Mills, it's like, man, it looks really pretty. It's just then he just makes some weird throws. So I know I'm kind of going on a rant here, but you guys know when I start asking me about pro- prospects, I have to kind of give my whole spiel. No, man, I hey, hey, Vince, Vince in the chat was talking about because one of the first things I ta- I started watching this guy after Croc mentioned him. Um, and, and, and one of the first things I said to Croc is if the 49ers draft this guy in the third round, he's going to get compared to CJ Beathard until people are blue in the face. And one of the things Vince had said in the chat was the guys that Kyle likes, Cousins, Beathard, Ryan, they can't run. But Beathard can run. Beathard ran like a 90-yard touchdown at some point. Maybe it was more like 80 yards. But Beathard, <laughs> no, it was Beathard like, it was like 65. Like but he was running well, for a long time. With, so we're going to go with 85 for the sake of making sure the story's cool. Right. I'm going to go with yeah. 85 yards. Um, but Beathard can run. And, and this it, – it's just funny. I, I'm not saying he's C.J. Beathard. But I'm just telling you now, if this guy comes up on the 49ers radar and, – and everybody loves to talk about how C.J. Beathard was a third-round pick. Just like their thing, like oh well, they drafted him in the third round, and we all know where they drafted him and why they did it. But anyways, Lance, go ahead, man. What was your what was your second question, brother? Second question, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, I'm still with y'all though. If I could get a quarterback, if I'm gonna move up, if I can't get Deshaun, I'll try to see if I can get Justin Fields because, like I said, I watched his pro day today, and that was ridiculous. But uh, Who, who's go- pro day today? Uh, not not his pro day, but I was watching the highlights for it when I was uh, when I was looking at the Davis Mills when I saw that stuff. I was like, okay. <laughs> But, oh yeah, um, he ran. A, he ran well. Yeah, but uh, like it's just gears a little bit. Um, do you think there's a chance 49ers look to try, try to add to the running back position at any point? Hmm. Ooh, I mean, when you look at the position though, right now, it, it seems like they're kind of set, right? I mean, you look at it and it's like, okay, well, we know we got our guy in Mostert, you know, and obviously you want him to stay healthy. Then it's like, well, Jeff Wilson. I feel like Mostert and Jeff Wilson, they are the perfect one-two punch. In my opinion, you got the the speed, the the guy that can score anytime, and then you have more of a bruiser, but he's still explosive. Like Wilson is, I think because every you know for the last few years, 40, people have seen the 49ers running backs 
Moster, Breda, able to like score anytime they touch the ball. And when you look at Jeff Wilson, it's like, well, he's not that. But Wilson, he's pretty explosive, like within that 20 yards. Like he'll give you those runs and those power runs and things like that. Um, so I think with those guys, they have a perfect one two punch. And then, you know, even outside of them, you know, you kind of have a guy like, you know, uh, 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 Hasty um, that, you know, people like. And I, I, he had the collarbone injury, I believe. But I don't, I don't, I mean, they'll, they'll add a guy, but I don't think it'll be like a priority in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I could, again, right now, I think Jamichael Hasty still, he's showed a little bit, but it's still, for the most part right now, it's just Jeff Wilson Jr. and Raheem Mostert. And I could see them taking a running back in like maybe the, it depends on who falls where. I would assume it wouldn't be until day three, which that could range anywhere between the fourth and the seventh round. So uh, I could definitely see them adding one to the mix Mm -hmm. that wouldn't necessarily be just an undrafted free agent type. I could, I I don't think it happens in free agency. I don't think there's anybody out there worth really going for, Uh, but I could see them adding one to the Mitch, somebody that maybe is a little more versatile that catches and and they could all catch that the 49ers got right now, but somebody along those lines, I'm not, I'm not really sure who's who. Yeah. Like I said, I remember uh, reading it. Todd Gurley I thought was maybe interested in like the 49ers offense or whatever like that. I was like, I wouldn't mind that. It'd be on a low carry count, but. It'd be something All different. running backs will always be interested in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got anything else, uh, Lance? Uh, nah, man. That's it. I'll go up tonight, man. No All right, buddy. I appreciate you, man. No problem. Air that hoe out 2021, man. <laughs> <laughs> T-shirts yeah. coming soon. I know. Yeah, we got to get those. All right, let's get let's get our last speaker request in here. We're already at, at an hour and twenty minutes, um, but let's get. I don't want to leave uh, Malik hanging. Let's get Malik in here. We'll get our last speaker request in, and then we'll probably uh, wrap things up. But hey, don't remember, don't forget, we'll be back in here uh, Wednesday. Malik, what you got, man? You are on stage. What's going on, guys? Uh, figure we'll keep up with the uh, Stanford talk. Also, got to plug Crocky's uh, Patreon. Uh, what do you think about Simeon Fajoko as being Kyle's next big slot? Oh, man. So, okay, yeah. So, you know, patreon.com slash crock talk. I, I had a whole breakdown <laughs> of Simi. But, <laughs> Simi Fioko. Um, but, so, now, wait, so how again, do you say this guy's name? Simi Fioko. Okay. All right. I, I feel you. So, so Simi Fioko. So, I'm watching, so, I'm watching Davis Mills now, right? I went from watching Cam Bynum to watching Davis Mills. And I'm like, man, who is this big lights can do? That's running all over. I mean, <laughs> catching the ball downfield, and then he when when I watched him, I'm watching him against, uh, I'm watching him against UCLA, and like one of the on the second drive or whatever, he catches a screen and <laughs> darts off on everybody, and I'm like, whoa! Like I felt the speed. Like you know, you can feel the speed watching on the on the film, right? So I'm, I feel the speed. I'm like, damn, who is this dude? And then he just keeps going on and on. I mean, just going off on UCLA, and I think, and again. Anybody that knows, like, anything about when I do these breakdowns, like, I don't look at, like, stats or numbers or I don't look at guys' height, weight. I don't look at any of that. I try to, like, just get all my notes and everything from just watching the film, and that's how I go about, like, how I feel about the prospect or whatever. But so I didn't know the whole time that this dude was 6'4", 225 pounds. I just knew he he was playing big. I mean, he was making contested passes. They used him on the outside. They used him in the slot. So to answer your question, I know you said big slot. I just think he's just a big receiver in general. So whether you play him on the outside, because to play to play on the outside, 
excuse me, to play on the outside, and Kyle Shanahan kind of answered this question, you just have to be able to win vertically. And I think he does that very well. So he can win vertically on the outside because he has that type of speed. But then because of his body type and body size and everything and how you can use him, he can play in the slot as well. I think he has enough twitch and this as well to kind of, you know, be, really be able to run routes from the slot. So there was a lot to really like about him. Um, the, the, the interesting thing, when you kind of stack him up against other guys in this class, I, I don't think I don't think there are a lot of receivers more talented than him. You know, he might slip, you know, through the cracks a little bit because well, he was at Stanford and it's not just this big pass heavy offense or anything like that. Quarterback situation was a little inconsistent because they had all these different quarterbacks because of injuries and whatnot. But when you just watch just him, there's there's really a lot to like uh, about him. And I think kind of his best days are ahead of him. I think there are a lot of people that that were like, oh, who does he remind you of? Some people were like DK Metcalf. And um, I saw like Miles Boinkin. I think I saw Chase Claypool. But to me, when I was watching him, I saw Mike Evans. Like I saw that type of receiver. So um, he definitely has that type of speed vertically. Um, that gives you an element that even like Jalen Hurd doesn't have. Um, his contested catch was really good. That gives you another element that Jalen Hurd doesn't have. But uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot to like about Simi. I, I would assume that he's a day two pick. But, yeah, and he went to his pro day, ran very well. His unofficial times were like three, uh, 4.43. It was like 4.38, 4.39, and I think his official was like 4.41. So uh, 6.4, 225 pounds running a 4.41, and then the film to, like, match that, I, I thought that was really good stuff, really helped him out. Man, his three-cone was even more impressive given his size. Yeah, yeah, three-cone three cone was, was, was great. Three-cone was – it was like a six eight six, and and that's another thing where you know Kyle Shanahan he covers a three cone and wants guys to have that lateral movement uh, ability, and he he showed that as well. Now he's a terrific prospect. Now this is I don't want to obviously inflate anything, but like when you're talking, just if I were listening to you talk about that guy without ever mentioning his name, where does Kyle Pitts win where that guy doesn't? Because obviously uh, I one think of them is like the top ten pick, and the other one you just talked about <laughs> seems like he should be, but obviously there's all kinds of different reasons why they're not that I'm, we're not I'm even gotten right. into. But what's what's the? They're both huge. They both obviously can just body anybody on the field. Uh, but what like what's the difference there? Well, one Kyle Pitts is bigger. Like Kyle Pitts is six foot six. So just off top, like he's just a big. They're both big ass uh, dudes. Guy. Well, yeah, they're both our big dudes, but Kyle Pitts, I mean, he's huge. And then I think Kyle Pitts is like, his hands are a little bit more natural. I would say I saw uh, Simi drop a couple passes where it's like, man, how'd you drop that? I think Kyle Pitts poses more of a matchup uh, problem, you know, and I think just his route running too, I think Pitts' route running is better as well. So when you're bigger, you're six foot six, you're still able to run away from cornerbacks, which is weird. I'm like, man, how's Kyle Pitts? Because he doesn't look like he's running fast, but he actually runs away from guys. He's not going to run like four four one, but he runs away from guys. He runs really good routes. He's a matchup nightmare. And then he just the way he uses his body, his size, and then in the red zone, how he wins. He's just a more fluid athlete from that standpoint. So, yeah, just overall, he's a better prospect. But, you know, when you watch Simi, there, there is still a lot to like. And I, I think what you're saying, too, is what would Simi look like if he was at Florida? You know, like right. what what would it look like if Simi Falco was playing – 
at Florida in that offense with Kyle Trask throwing him the ball, you know, for an entire year. I think then there would be a discussion of at least Simi being somebody that should be going in the first round. Well, I think that there's, uh, you know, for a player like that, I think that there's a whole case that could be made, you know, to bring in another guy who can fill kind of like, like you already mentioned, Malik, the big slot role, you know, a tie, even a tight end too that doesn't do tight end things, you know, just like a move tight end type of deal. And I feel like Kyle Shanahan is, he always kind of wants somebody like that. So it wouldn't surprise me. We know the 49ers need help at receiver, and it doesn't really look like they're going to get it in free agency. They might be able to sign one guy that would be able to step in and, and, and play pretty consistently. Um, and, and I don't really consider the Cardinals guy to be that guy. So maybe we should be looking, taking a lot closer look at receivers, uh, you know, especially ones that are versatile and can move all over the place. Right. I like it. And I like it. Yeah, I, I like it. And Kyle and Kyle and, and Alan Peters, I mean, they were there firsthand to watch this receiver kind of, you know, do his thing. And, you know, I, I looked at one of the uh, the comments, let's see, is, is Lance. And he was like, oh, yeah, he made, you know, he made Mills look good. Like, you know, he bailed out Mills a few times. But one thing I will say about that and, like, just contested throws, there's, there's an underrated aspect to a quarterback putting the ball in the right spot where it looks like, oh, the receiver's just bailing him out. But I think sometimes just with the location, the quarterback actually puts it in a spot to where his guy can make a play. And I think that's an underrated part about throwing contested passes. And that, and even that, that that alone might be why maybe 49ers aren't really that good with their, you know, with their contested catches, you know, from a receiver standpoint or like George Kittle or whatever. It's like, man, why isn't George Kittle like being able to, you know, make those contested catches or, you know, but – maybe the quarterbacks aren't throwing good contested catch passes. And that was one thing where it looks like maybe he's bailing out Mills, but I think you got to give a little bit of credit to the quarterback being able to put the ball in a location to where the receiver can make that play. Well, on a lot of 50-50 balls like that, it's it's they're they're thrown because there's a relationship there between the quarterback and the receiver. Like and, and you the the quarterback knows who your receiver is going up against and your quarterback's probably like, dude, I don't care if he's he's right next to you. I'll take you 10 times out of 10 in the situation I'm about to put you in. And he throws the ball. And it happens. It's not always just a prayer. Like, they're just like, dude, I think my guy's better than your guy, and I think he's going to catch the ball right now, and I don't really care where you are. And, you know, it's not – I think to your point, it's not always just a you know, – he's not always bailing him out. It's the quarterback saying, I think my guy is going to win, and he does. You know, that right. a lot of that's built on relationships established in practice over the years and stuff like that. Like, you're just like, man, I will take my guy 10 times out of 10, chuck it. And then, you know, their guy comes down with it. And the quarterback's like, yep, <laughs> you know. So it's – it's, and I do feel like the 49ers still need a guy like that. I think IU kind of has a little bit of that to him, not necessarily with his physical presence, but he just is – he has unbelievable body control. Kind of like how we see that with Devontae Adams, and that's who everybody likes to compare him to. And even I like that comparison. It's just, you know, when you can move in your maneuver your body in a way, you can uh, just put yourself in a position to catch balls that would normally be 50-50 that might not be. So I do feel like the 49ers need to go that route. Like get yourself a big-ass dude that can just, you know, a, a throw-it-up guy as long as you got a quarterback that's willing to do that, Jimmy. Um, but anyways, we're just kind of rambling on at this point. Malik, you got anything else, brother? No, that's it. I appreciate it, guys. Hey, man, I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, man. Croc, you got any closing thoughts, dude? 
Nah, man. Uh, appreciate everybody for, you know, joining us. They make this hour and a half fly by, you know, every time. So it's great, great conversation. I appreciate everybody for uh, hopping in. It's true, man. It is true. I feel like it, it not that we have, it didn't ever do it, but like me and Croc just on our old platform, we'd need a lot to talk about if we were going to get all the way to the hour and a half mark. But the fact that we uh, we have you guys in here having your own conversations with each other, throwing questions at us, bringing up other – I mean, the fact that, yeah, this is Crocker and I's podcast, but we appreciate your guys' like, ways of thinking. And you guys can bring a different element to the conversation that maybe would have never been brought up had it not you know, been for you guys being here. You know, if it's just me and Crocker talking, we may skip over something that you guys are like, wait, what about this? And, you know, it just adds a new dynamic to the podcast. So if you're listening and you're just listening to this as a podcast, just know that as of right now, if you have an iPhone, you can download the Locker Room app, jump in. The Android app is coming soon. Can't give you a date. Don't know a date, but I know that's all I can say. Um, So be a part of it if you're listening to this podcast and you're not up in here. But like Croc said, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the fact that you guys are in here. And I definitely appreciate the familiar faces I'm starting to see, the familiar names. Uh, it's awesome. It's just a cool little platform. I appreciate the fact that you guys are embracing. But just like every other episode, it's got to come to an end at some point. I'm Rob. That's Croc. For another episode, this is Striking Gold. And we are signing out. Peace. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. (laughs) Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.